whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Karen Pennington here. What a beautiful day it is today. <laughs> this morning I'm thinking of children, teenagers, children, younger people who are sometimes placed under our authority. And um, I love kids. I love teenagers. I'm not sure which one I love, love more. It depends on the day. <laughs> but um, sometimes there's this thing in me that I actually sometimes enjoy the ones who are just a little bit of a challenge, a little bit difficult. I don't know why. Maybe I see some of my own stubbornness in them. Sometimes it's like, okay, challenge accepted. This will be fun. <laughs> and I'm thinking about one of the first times that sort of legally I had a bunch of young people under my care. I was 17 years old. It was my first day as a camp counselor. Uh, I was called in as an emergency. I was supposed to be there two weeks later. I didn't get any of the orientation. I was just kind of thrown right in and all of a sudden, boom, 12 six-year-olds in my care <laughs> six-year-olds <laughs> and so one of my first challenges was the very next morning when it was wake-up time they would not get up they would not get up you know you kind of shake them and I don't know as if anybody's ever been you know a mom or an older sister or a dad and your child just won't get up well I had 12 of these 12 of these children so <laughs> I did something a little interesting you see I'm a musician I was actually at that camp to be a counselor and to teach music to children. And I had something called a cornet, which is kind of like a trumpet. If you take a trumpet and squish it a little bit, it's like short, a little shorter, a little fatter, but it sounds a lot like a trumpet. Well, I decided I was going to give them a wake-up call, literally a wake-up call. Now, I don't know if you've ever been like at a flagpole or in an open space. When you play a cornet or a trumpet very loud, it'll carry like really really long distance really long distance 100 yards 150 yards and you can hear it like all over you can hear it sometimes on the other side of like a campground it's huge um so when you play that cornet in a very small room that fits 12 people if they're on bunk beds you know it is really loud <laughs> so i i put a mute in it which is just something that makes it so that it didn't kill their ears but even with a mute in me playing their wake up call so they wouldn't get up i gave them 3 or 4 minutes then i came in oh my goodness i don't know if what i did was right or what i did was wrong but i'll tell you what it was effective it was effective up they were up i'm up i'm up they didn't even know to cry. I mean, there were six-year-olds. There was some crying that week, not that morning. And I said, is everybody up? I said, do I need to play again? They're like, no, I'm up. I'm up. <laughs> Nobody. It was sort of abrasive and it was loud and they, it worked, but they didn't want to hear it again. So uh, the rest of the week, all I needed to do was pick up my trumpet or my cornet and say, do we need a wake-up call? And the kids would go, no, no, we're waking. 
So, so it worked. I don't know if somebody's parents would be calling me nowadays, you know, 25 years later, but it worked. It worked. And, <laughs> and then I sort of did the same thing with my daughter. I don't think I bugled her awake ever. Maybe I did, but I used to tickle her feet. I would go in and I would snuggle her a little bit. And I'd always say the three rules. I have the three rules. I always gave my daughter, um, you're beautiful. You are valued. Uh, um, you are loved so much by mommy and daddy, no matter what, nothing's going to change that. God loves even more. And number three, you'll never get too big for mommy's arms. Those are always those three. And then I would start counting to three <laughs> and three meant if you're not up, I'm going to tickle your feet. So usually I would hug her and we would snuggle and I'd say things, are you up? And she'd try to roll over and I'd go one and she'd go, I'm up <laughs> because she didn't want to be tickled in her feet in the morning. There's something about a wake up call. <laughs> you know, it can be very abrasive. I don't know if any of you ever have those alarms. My husband needs to have the really annoying alarm that like you want to throw it, but it's like, okay, I'll wake up and turn it off just because I, I can't hear this. This is, this is worse than not sleeping. So sometimes it takes something a little bit abrasive and maybe a little offensive, something we definitely don't want to hear to wake us up. And I think God does that too. Uh, sometimes the things that we don't like happening, they're really a grace. We talk about daily adventures and grace, the things that we really don't like, the abrasive things, the inconvenient things. I mean, a wake up call isn't a convenient thing usually, you know, it's usually a little abrasive, but that's what it takes sometimes if we're in a slumber to wake us up. And the big wake up call I can think of, literal, sort of literal, not really literal, a wake up call from Jesus' lifetime was when he cleansed the temple. Uh, that's in three of the different gospels. It's in Mark, Luke, and John. And you may not know, it actually happens two different times. Uh, the first time happens when, uh, right after Jesus does his very first miracle, he does his very first miracle in Canaan, Cana. He isn't really well known right now because it was only a wedding in Cana where he turned the waters to wine. I'm sure people in the region knew about it, but he wasn't like famous all over yet. And, um, very soon after that, the very next story in the gospel of John, Jesus goes to the Passover. And this is John two new revised standard version, starting with verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was near and Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple. He found people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and money changers seated at their tables. What this means is the outer court of the temple was being used for commerce instead of as a preparation to worship. It means the outer court of the temple had dirty stuff in it. It wasn't clean. It was dirty. It means that they were cheating people who needed, who were coming from out of town, who needed something for worship. They needed to change their money for the money of the day, for the denarii of the area. They needed to buy and they were being cheated. So Jesus did something kind of extreme. This unknown guy made a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Jesus, Prince of Peace, goes into a temple. Start. Can you imagine somebody with a whip? Just calmly making the whip and starting to whip people like in the middle of a mall. Just starting to whip people all over or the outer courts of church on a Sunday morning of a mega church. He starts dumping all the money out. Nowadays, he would have been thrown in jail for this, 
for obstructing the peace, right? He just did it. He's take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. This is a place of peace, not a place of commerce. Talk about a wake up call, right? I'm not sure if that helped them recognize who God was, but I bet they sure knew who Jesus name at that point. So here's the thing. He did something extreme. He did something offensive. He did something abrasive. But the truth of what he said was right and people knew it. Kind of like those kids. They're like, stop playing or my daughter. Don't tickle my feet. I don't want you to do this, but you know what? I know I, know I need to wake up. I know I need to wake up. And sometimes when we get wake up calls, whether literally or these um, proverbial wake up calls, sometimes we get these and we just go back to sleep anyways. We choose to be offended by the nature of the call and we go back to sleep anyways. Or we choose to fight back. Or sometimes we go, okay, I'm up. I know I'm supposed to get up. So sometimes God gives us wake up calls and it's still our choice to know what to do about it. You know, you have something happening that you know is a result of your carelessness or disobedience and you go, whatever, and just keep doing whatever you want. And then just being upset that somebody's calling you to the carpet about it. And you've ever been offended that someone's trying to hold you accountable and you're like, no, I'm going to do whatever I want. Leave me alone. It's not your job. Or we can say, all right, this is uncomfortable, God. This is uncomfortable, but I know there's a change. Has anyone ever been grateful for a wake-up call? I like the ones in hotels. They're kind of nice. They're like, do-do-do, on the phone. This is your wake-up call, you know? And it's great when that works, you know? So this was not the only temple wake-up call they got. Uh, we know that this happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry because it talks about from Judea, he went other places. From Judea, he went other places. So... The end of his ministry on earth was when he went to Jerusalem one final time and celebrated the Passover. And then, of course, from there became the ultimate Passover lamb. But somewhere between in that week, in that holy week, when Jesus came to Jerusalem, and I'm missing, I'm going to have to look this up, Mark 11. It's almost funny when you think about it. First, you have this scene of somebody whipping people, literally whipping people. And so he comes back. It's at the end. He, he's already entered. They've already been saying, said Hosanna. So this is within a week of Jesus' death. And he does some weird things. He curses a fig tree. You know, <laughs> he's like, you're not fruitful, so you're not going to live. And then he goes in the temple. And this is um, Mark 11, starting verse 15. Then he came to Jerusalem. He entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. So we're probably talking about close to three years later. <laughs> I wonder how many of those merchants were there the first time, saw Jesus coming and went, oh no, not again. <laughs> so, didn't seem to take as much. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he wouldn't allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. So he, he was a little, this sounds pretty crazy, but it seemed like he didn't have to do as much the second time. He overturned the tables. No whipping this time. No screaming this time. He just, <laughs> have you ever, it's like, like when I walked in the second day, 
to my cabin and all I had to do was pick up my cornet and they went, we're up. <laughs> all you had to do was kind of turn over the money tables and then say, nope, this isn't happening again. And then the next thing I said is he was teaching. <laughs> if you ever had a teacher come in, wreak havoc, boom, boom, boom. Now class, I, I, that's all I'm thinking of. He was teaching and saying, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. I remember we were talking about, we can choose what to do with a wake-up call. We can choose what to do. The chief priests, the people who should have known better, who were allowing this, they were supposed to be leading people towards holiness, and they were allowing and probably profiting from this robbery. This is verse 18, Mark eleven eighteen. 18. And when the chief priests and scribes heard this, they kept looking for a way to kill him. For they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. So the crowd paid attention. The crowd woke up. The crowd listened. They were enwrapped. The second time all he had to do was flip a table. Didn't have to whip anybody. But the people who should have known better decided to take offense at the wake-up call, but not to wake up. You know, I read the Bible a lot. I hear stories of things like these. Religious leaders, and I get angry because I'm like, they should have known better. They should have known better than anybody else. And then rather than taking a very abrupt wake-up call and repenting the way they knew they should because they knew scripture, this was not an age of literacy where everybody had direct ability to just read the scripture whenever they wanted. They had to hear it. And, and, and these were the scribes and the Levites and the priests who could read it. But they ignored it. Why do we do that? Why do we ignore wake-up calls? Answer's easy. We want to sleep. We get comfortable. And people let us be comfortable. I get comfortable in my judgment of others. I get comfortable saying things I shouldn't. I get comfortable feeling like, woe is me, this other person is wrong and I'm not. I get comfortable in my criticism. I get comfortable in my ego. I get comfortable in not doing things that I know would be better for me. And so sometimes when God shakes us and makes us uncomfortable, we see it as an affliction from the devil. It's not always that. Sometimes God allows it. Sometimes God causes it. I don't always know when which is which, but God certainly uses it. I don't know about you, but I'd rather just pay attention when a table's turned. I don't want to wait till, till God breaks the whips out. You know what I'm saying? What is it in your life right now? Is there some area where God's trying to get your attention? I'm not saying that you're a hateful, roastful human being that's totally going down the wrong path. But is there something? Is there just that one thing that God's saying, I have a better way. Just listen. 
Just listen. God, open our hearts, open our minds, not to everything, but to you. May our minds have a sieve in it that only allows in you and the things that you would have us know. Be the gatekeeper of our hearts, Lord. And my prayer today for myself first and everyone else is if there is an area where we are asleep, an area where you have a better way and we're just so hard-hearted that we're not seeing it, get our attention, Lord. And when we see a table turn, we see something that feels like it's falling apart or inconvenient, may we look to you and ask, where are you, God? Are you going to use this? Are you getting our attention? Just help us focus on you because you're the only source of truth in your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends. And may you hear God's voice clearly today.